Dawn Schuler, Certified Trainer and Business Consultant at the Schuler Group with the People Thrive, Companies Thrive podcast. Today, I am very excited to welcome Brian Burkhart with Square Planet. And um, I, it's, I, we had no trouble in the first couple of minutes, just, you know, already like got this great rapport and we said, we better start recording so that we can get this stuff you know, on air. So Brian, I am delighted that you are here with me today. Well, thank you, Dawn. And now you're giving away all the inside scoop, the behind the scenes that, you know, this magic happens with a little bit of pre-planning. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So sorry. All right. <laughs> People don't need to know that we actually spoke. <laughs> all right. So Brian, for the rest of the world, tell us who you are and why you might be here with me. Well, I first and foremost really appreciate the chance to talk to you and your audience. You know, it's one of those kind of things, Don, that we all get to have our own little weird connections and networks in the world. But for me, the thing that I'm all about, the thing that I stand for, it's a little silly because I'm out here in the desert in Phoenix, Arizona. There's not a whole lot of water. And so when I say this, it is, it's going to be a bit odd, but I am a guy who believes in making waves. I'm a wave maker. I cause a little trouble, do things a little different. I want to upset the apple cart from time to time. And when I had the chance to connect with you, I was very excited because in your own unique way, I think you're a wave maker too. And so I like the idea of being around people that believe the same things. What that really looks like from a day-to-day -day work, work perspective, like what do I actually do? I have a couple of businesses. My main one is called Square Planet, like round earth. And Square Planet is really about helping people elevate their core message so people remember and act. And if you think about it, we've all heard lots of people say lots of things. But how often do you really remember, more importantly, do you actually act on those things? We are not an advertising agency, but we are a business communications firm. So I work with organizations and individuals to really elevate their ability to get those messages out. Additionally, that often looks like things like large meetings and conferences. I've got another entity that I am a partner of. It's called Alter Ego, and it's an AV production company. We're the guys that kind of roll all the guys and gear in into a big empty room and turn it into a business theater environment. Not a lot of that going on right now in the coronavirus world. We're a little quiet on that front. Uh, but essentially, any way you slice it, I help our clients engage audiences, push their important messages in really impactful ways, and just work with people to sort of become the full self that they want to be. And that's something. That takes some doing. I mean, you know that better than anybody. Uh, but it, it keeps us busy, keeps us rolling, and I'm a very lucky guy. I've got a good gig. Awesome, awesome. And I love what you said because my, my sole purpose, S-O-U-L purpose, is to help people really embrace their authentic selves and what makes them awesome yep. and then put that out into the world, claim it and put it out into the world. So it sounds like you and I have that same belief system that you really help people be engaging and amazing so that they can do the great things that they do in the world. Well, no doubt about it. And I think the, the key to that whole thing is something that really is very fundamental. And I know this is absolutely at the core of the work you do. That notion of authenticity is really about planting your freak flag and being really okay with it. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is, is that there's a little phrase, it's work with those that believe what you believe. Work with those that believe what you believe. I basically feel strongly about this one. 
that we just don't have enough time, whether it's bandwidth or certainly hours in the day, but there are plenty of client vendor relationships that just are not good fits. They're just not. And it's because your core beliefs, the things you stand for are different. They're not congruent, they're incongruent. And when you help people figure out their authentic self, what you're helping them do is know what they stand for, what they believe. And so that really allows all of these different things to happen, including the best relationships, personal, business, you name it, because you end up being around similarly like-minded people. It's the old axiom, birds of a feather flock together. I mean, I know it's ridiculous, but you're in Maryland, so it's not too far. But the simplest example is politics. If you've got someone on the far left trying to connect with someone on the far right, it just isn't going to work. And no matter what you do, trying to bridge that gap, that is not easy. Well, it's the same in business. If we want to work with someone that wants excellence and they only value things being excellent, they don't care about budget, we're going to be in a great spot because we do really high-end stuff. But we have clients sometimes that the number one priority is cheap, 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 cheap. It's got to be the least expensive thing going. Well, we're not the right guys for the job. We're going to provide value, yes, but I don't do Walmart pricing. And so you got to know what you stand for. You've got to know what you believe. And that begins with authenticity. I love that, love that. Um, one of the things that I saw um, from Square Planet, from you specifically, was that idea about core values, that they aren't just something that you slap up on a wall, yeah. but that they're really in our DNA. So I would love for you to say more about that. Sure. Um, this is, I will do a shameless plug for my book here too, by the way. Uh, so this is a big deal to us. This is one of those kind of things where at the heart of everything we do, and I do mean everything from an individual presentation to a live meeting to things like a podcast like this. I mean, uh, I don't know where it was in the grand scheme of things, but within the first, let's call it 90 seconds, I said, do something along the lines of, I, I make waves. That's my core belief. That's not what I do, nor is it how I do it. It's why I exist. And the vast majority of both individuals and organizations have never taken the time to stop and codify this stuff, never once. But the reason it matters is something called cognitive psychology theory. Cognitive psychology theory tells us that what we believe will lead to our actions. It's silly in some regard, but it's things like if you and I were going out to lunch today, Don, and I said, you're in charge, you pick, you're going to pick the restaurant and you fundamentally hate pizza. That's your belief. The action is pretty likely that we're going to go get sushi or maybe a salad or something, but we're not going out for pizza. Your beliefs lead to your actions. This is a very big deal. And for most organizations and certainly for most individuals who have not taken the time to figure out what they believe, what they stand for, their actions just become kind of a myriad of crazy mishmash. It's not cohesive and whole. We work with our clients all the time on really getting these core beliefs correct. Uh, a little cheat, a little hack that I love is I encourage people to do this very organically. Um, I also like to go analog as in paper or whiteboard. And I like to say two sides. One is always, the other is never. Write down the things you always do. Write down the things you never do. These are your actions. And now we can reverse engineer. We know what you do. We can look at it and go, huh, well, that's what you believe. If you never go to the gym, work out, or eat properly, 
Your belief is your body is not your temple. You could give a crap and you're probably going to die at a young age of heart attack. But if you go to the gym every day and eat only, you know, skinless chicken, well, there's a chance that you believe a different thing. And so actions and beliefs are super related and people just don't take time to think about it. So that's why it's such a big deal to us. I agree with that. We have a concept that we use called the deeper why. And my, my belief system is that you can uncover the deeper why in everything, right? Yeah. So I could ask you, you know, so you're, you're a wave maker, you make waves. Why is that important? Uh, this is a good one. And I really, and I love the notion of a deep, I might steal it and give you zero credit. Um, you know, it's a big oh, deal. No. To me. Okay, I'll give you credit, Don. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, I, and just as long as I, I get that nickel for every time, you know, you say deeper why, I'm good. Well, that's, uh, I, I kind of teased about my book. I think I get 11 cents per copy. So even as I go <laughs> buy it, like it makes no difference, really. Um, no, I think the thing about being a wave maker is it really starts when I look back my whole life, even, even as a kid, uh, the, the notion of creating some impact uh, was really a big deal to me. And more than anything, being really okay with bucking the trends or challenging the status quo. Uh, I have some really close friends that I've known since I was in my, you know, like 11s and 12s and 13s of years. And I just turned 50. And so I spoke with some of these guys that I've known for 40 something years at this point. And one of them, he said something to me along the lines of, I can remember being mad at you at the time, and now I'm jealous. You were always willing to just sort of be you. And I thought, yeah, that's true. It, I just didn't care. And I think it's one of those kind of things where that notion of making waves is really about standing out from the crowd and going down not always what is a well-worn path. It's about doing the things that feel right to me. And it really is something that, it just kind of is who I am. And I'm of the belief that the deeper why that we all possess is similar. It may not be that exact thing. It could be whatever it is, but that goes to it's my authentic, true self. Um, uh, this is a ridiculous example, but I'm the world's biggest Chicago Bear fan. And while there are many foibles and flaws with everything related to professional sports, I can't divorce myself from it. But I've been to plenty of Green Bay Packer games in the stadium in my full bear nonsense, making waves, looking like a complete idiot, and being really okay with that. Not everybody is. It, it just is kind of who I am at my core. So you beat me to it because whenever you started talking about making an impact and standing out, and I was going to say, so why is that important? That whole, you know, getting to that deeper why piece. And you answered it by saying, well, because it's that, that authentic self, like, damn, damn, he beat me to it. But, <laughs> but if you have more, you want to say like, okay, so what's important about that and go, I love that idea of going as deep as we can. So if you, if you can go deeper with me here, you know, I'd love to hear it. For sure. Uh, let me start by saying that this was not always obvious to me. I think it was probably when I was about 39, um, I had been successful and had my own business and been doing some stuff. And then we made a, a very pragmatic pivot to what is now today Square Planet. And that was one of those moments where it was like the seas parted and clarity hit me. And I mean, there was a ton of bricks of like, oh my goodness, this is the thing I have been looking for. This was the thing when you hear people say, 
you know, follow your passion and it won't feel like work. Well, there it was. And so it's not easy, first and foremost. And so that depth is something that I think people all want at some level, but may not even know how to get there. Mine, I think, honestly, is pure luck. It was some serendipity. Um, so from the standpoint of like, why do I want to make waves? Why? At this stage of the game, it's because I know the difference. I know what it was and I know what it can be. And so for me, it just becomes really, really clear. I think for so many people, though, they just don't even know how. I mean, it is tough. The thing about all this, though, and this might sound ridiculous, but especially in the corporate world, we hear things like mission and vision and values and all of those things, and they're all good. They all have their purpose, and I get why. But at its core, at our deepest, most, most vulnerable, authentic self, there's always this thing of, will I be accepted? Will people like me? Can I be loved? And I have really come to realize that the answer is yes and no. I, I know that there are plenty of people who see it my way and plenty of people who don't. And once I became really comfortable with that, everything changed. My husband, Mark, who is a former marriage and family therapist, he has a saying, and I'll have to clean it up since this podcast is supposed to have a G rating. He yeah. says, if everybody thinks you're a jerk, you're doing something wrong. If nobody thinks you're a jerk, you're doing something wrong. And it's that idea of not being that authentic self, right? Because if you're trying to please everybody, or if you're just contrary and challenging everybody, then there's probably something that that's deeper that's going on that you're not looking at, that you're avoiding. I mean, that's on a, on a personal side. I think your, your husband Mark's a, a bright guy. He knows what he's talking about. I, he has really good taste um, in, in wives too, so. Wives, plural, done. I met his first wife and, um, and, um, and I really, and, we get along really, really well. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm the right. second and, you know, probably Fine. last. So anyway, um, so yeah, it's that, yeah, that idea of if you're too afraid and you don't want to block the boat, right. That's why you're, you're, you're a change maker. You're, you're a wave maker is to rock the boat. And I mean, I, I hope this part is, mostly obvious I don't much like your husband's comment I have no desire to rock the boat just to be difficult that's not it the work that we do when I say we make waves is really to, to help and there are people who get that and then there are others who don't and those that get it say bring it on and those who don't say well they're just being difficult no I'm trying to help and so it's it, it is something that's why that notion of working with those that believe what you believe makes such a difference so let me ask you, so I'm going to jump ahead and might have to fill in a couple of blanks for, you know, for our listeners. So your company helps with presentations as part of this, maybe one of the blanks. So in that work with your clients, how do you, I guess there's two parts to this question. One, how do you make waves? And two, how do you help them make waves? Uh, that is a great question. They're very interrelated. Um, the biggest thing that you, this is going to be mostly obvious, I think, in the beginning, and I'll probably struggle to give you some really deep insight here, but there are lots of people, lots, uh, and think big corporate clients. These are the kind of people we work with, brands that everybody knows, 
Um, the people at the highest levels of those organizations, those are typically my clients. And there are a ton of reasons that they never get the truth. There are lots of people in their orbit who say, you know what, that's a great idea. Yes, we're gonna do that, yes. People are unwilling to sort of stand up at times um, to those at those highest levels of leadership. Well, I don't work for those people. I work with those people. I don't have the history, nor do I really care about the tomorrow. And so all of those things that often stop the real truth from being revealed, I have none of them. And so the way that I make waves, first and foremost, is I'm honest. We even have t-shirts that say, can you handle the ugly truth? Um, I've had people that I've worked with one-on-one, -on -one, some incredible people that have done unbelievable work. And from a dollar perspective, I mean, they've contributed, at least in their industry, to billions with a B. And I've had some of these guys who are a little, you know, senior, older in their career, in tears in my office, saying, why didn't people not tell me this stuff before? How come I haven't heard this before? Well, because you're the boss. So that's a big part of it, is just being truthful. And then to answer your question, um, presentations in general, and it, it could be an email, it could be a job interview, it could be standing on a stage in front of a thousand people, it could be sitting in a small room with a couple of people across a desk. Those are all presentations. And the core of those things, people just don't understand. They don't get that you've got to connect with people, that you have to have deep conviction, and you have to follow some really cursory stuff that was outlined by Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato a bazillion years ago. And if you do those few things, you'll be really effective. And so I help people know the truth and then fill in some of those knowledge gaps and you'd be shocked by how quickly you can see people elevate their game in something that is really, really, really mission critical. Of all the things that we do in business, one that is non-negotiable is communicate. Most people don't sit on an island by themselves banging away at a computer, they actually interact with other humans. And so communications is a big deal. And that was, that was another, you know, spark of, oh, I definitely want to talk to Brian as that whole focus that you have on communication. And it's, it's probably the number one core focus of our company because at the heart of what we do is help people communicate better, whether that's, you know, manager to employee or it's cross departmental or it's, you know, internal communications or external communications, whatever it is. And that was part of why, you know, what you had to say about that being the core focus of what you guys do. So I want you to, gee, talk more about communication, this very, you know, broad topic. And, and maybe we can bring that in a little bit as far as, as gosh, there's so many places we could go. And that's what gets, it's so cool because we could make this, you know, a two hour podcast interview. We won't. Um, so the listeners can go, thank goodness. Um, I don't have to listen to her for two hours, but just an hour and a half. Just kidding. Um, I got time. I got time too. So it's, you know, what are the biggest communication challenges you see? How do you help people with the communication? Um, define communication. I mean, go wherever you want to go um, with that topic right now. I love this. I'll give you a couple good nuggets here, Dawn. And I think that these are ones that I want to be actionable. And so for anyone listening, this is the kind of stuff that you can make a big dent. And I mean big, real quickly, just by taking a couple of these best practices, a couple of these ideas and putting them in place right away. One thing, first and foremost, is if you think again about this notion that a presentation 
is wide. Again, it's not just someone standing on a stage. It could be all kinds of different things. But the biggest flaw, the biggest faux pas, the things that people get wrong when it comes to presenting or presentations, number one is they're selfish. And I'll give you a couple of silly examples. If you were in an, a meeting with, let's say, 100 colleagues and there was a person up on stage speaking and they were scheduled to end at noon on the nose so everyone could break for lunch. And even if people before them had gone long, but they're on the clock, the minute it's 12.01, they're now being selfish. They're taking your time without actually getting permission for it. Similar, we've all heard people uh, I mean, I've seen this only a thousand times where people will apologize for slides up on a screen and they'll say things like, if you could see this, well, why'd you build it that way? That's a selfish, lazy sort of decision. Um, a, a similar vein of this notion of like standing on a stage. I have a rule that I put on all my clients called the 75 second rule. It's a very creative name. And the idea is that when you come out and take the stage, you are not allowed to click and look or worry about a slide for a minimum of the first 75 seconds. I want you to actually connect like a human being. I want you to be warm, I want you to tell us a story, I want you to look people in the eye, I want you to actually engage, because that's what we do. When you go have dinner with Mark, or you have your family for Thanksgiving, or you go out with couples on a Friday evening for a happy hour, you don't bring a PowerPoint or a brochure <laughs> or a little explainer video with you, you actually talk like a human. And so why wouldn't we do that in these scenarios? So that's one little aspect kind of in that world. Another one, and this is maybe the best hack I've got. I had just a moment ago talked about Aristotle and Plato and Socrates. Those guys, at this point, literally centuries ago, created the basis for how we all communicate. They codified what we do, what works best. And they talked about ethos, pathos, and logos. And that was essentially that we can learn with our brain, with our heart, and our gut. And so when we communicate, we're tapping into those three areas in some mixed message, some mixed kind of way. That's great and awesome and a really good foundation. But if I said, Don, I need you to have more pathos, it's a little hard. And so what we've translated that to is something super easy. And it is know, feel, and do. And know is spelled with a K. And so every time you present, I don't care if it's an email, a job interview, a one-on-one, -on -one, a one to a thousand, all of those things, all those communication mediums, if you simply answer the question, what do I want my audience to know, the facts, the details, the figures, the things they need, what do I want them to feel? Should I be excited about this opportunity? Should I be scared? These are big moments. What do we feel? That's very human, of course. And then finally, what do you want them to do? What's the action step that they should take? You'd be just floored in the world of corporate America how often in every and all presentation from an annual report to a company website to a CEO on stage, 97%, I'm totally making that number up. I have no proof around that number. 90 something percent, it's always no with a K. That's it. It's the only one. There's no feel. And yet, of course, we're communicating to other humans. We are emotional creatures. You gotta have feel, and it could be a multitude of feels. And then the thing that I think is just truly inexcusable is where is the do? What am I supposed to do next? I mean, I can tell you that I know at the end of this podcast, you're gonna be kind and ask a question like, Brian, if people wanna get a hold of you, 
That's a do, right? You're giving me a chance to tell people what to do next. That is innate and natural and part of what you do. But so many people leave that off the table. It's crazy. And so to really be an effective communicator, if you can answer no, feel, and do, if you can start with a really clear core belief, which we've kind of already talked about, if you can actually connect with some people and not lean into your technology first, but be a human, man, you are so far ahead of the game with just those few things, you're going to be light years in front of everybody else. I really, I really like that. I might, I might have to steal that from you. I want you to. Take it. It's yours. <laughs> I don't want any credit, nor do I want the 11 cents. Take okay. it. All right, then. Um, so a million years ago, I was a uh, young website designer because this is in the days of they didn't have Dreamweaver or front page, certainly didn't have WordPress. And so I taught myself how to code. That's HTML. cool. Well, I was home with a new baby and she slept 16 hours a day, um, which I, <laughs> it's really easy to be a good mom when you only have to really, you know, parent for four hours at a time. And so I taught myself HTML. And so I, I did websites and then, you know, made a little business of designing websites for people. <laughs> I do not want to look at those now. I got to tell you. And when things started going much more designer route and JavaScript and CSS, I was like, I'm out. I'm like, I'm out. Um, but my rule was what happens when they get to the bottom of the page? They think of them they're just reading the page they get to the bottom and then if you don't have a call to action exactly. where do they go next think of it as a roadmap and yes it's a website and they can go any which way they want and it's not it's not quite like a you can't determine exactly that they'll go from this page to that to that to that to that but you can help navigate and I said imagine you're a docent at a museum and they've come to your website and so you're going to be that helpful docent where they could go now. Would you like to go here and see these things? Or would you like to go over here? And so from, from that perspective, you know, that started that call to action piece, which is very marketing, right? But it's people need direction. Tell them what to do because otherwise they could be lost. It's great advice. You're spot on. I certainly applaud you for uh, pushing that agenda, even on websites then, but certainly still today, you know, it, it really, it's real. People just don't get it. They actually think that it's rude sometimes. And you hear even stories um, of salespeople who won't ask for the sale. They'll just kind of dump the information. There you go. Well, 60%, 60% no, of salespeople will not ask for the sale. It's crazy. You got, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be rude. It certainly can be done in a nice, kind way. And I think it's often more subtle than people think. I mean, it's even the kind of things where, um, in a sales, we'll use sales for an example, where you can say things like, please take a look, hop online, see some reviews, ask some people around us. I think if you do a little due diligence, you'll see that we're a pretty good choice. Of course, I really want your business. And if you have questions, I'll be here to answer them. Those are all do's. And it's just amazing how people omit that. It really is crazy. You know, again, like so much stuff, so many places we could go. That idea of the, it really does shock me. I, I mean, I can be somewhat, I don't know if I'd call myself shy, but you know, we all, unless we're Brian Burkhart, can have issues putting ourselves out there and going, hey, you really want to listen to my podcast or you really want our training and consulting. I can have a little bit of trouble with that until I realize, well, wait a minute. 
is what I have to offer helpful? Do they have an issue or a challenge or a problem that, that our stuff could really help them with? And if, if you can do that, you're getting to that authentic self piece, right? How is it that my thing, my service, my product really helps someone else? And when you come from that authentic place, it should be really easy to ask for the sale in these examples we're talking about or communicate. Do I have something that will help them? And if I remember, you know, know, feel, and do, then that shifts everything, I think. It, it does. There is one dicey side to that equation that's worth noting here. And I, I, I can say this because I did this. It was awful. And we've all experienced it in some regard. Let's reinforce what you just said there, Don, because I think it's really good info. It's incredibly insightful that if and when people can find this true thing, their authentic calling, their own little gift, it becomes something that you really do want to scream from the rooftops. You want everyone to know that you've got this. And yet there are some, and it depends on the work that you do, that uh, really don't need to know that you've got that gift. <laughs> um, you've invited them to hear about it first. And I'll give you an example. I was uh, working on a project for a client. We were actually videotaping a guy. Uh, he, for whatever reason, couldn't be at the meeting. I kind of forget all the scenario, but we're in this room. We've got all the camera gear with our camera guys and all the lights and stuff. And I'm the producer making sure that everything goes right and he gets his message out right. And it was the kind of thing where, and I mean this, Don, if there were 20 things that you should never do in a presentation. He did 22 of them. I mean, it was tragic, <laughs> right? And this thing ends, we wrap, and I rush right up to him, and I didn't know this guy. And I was like, look, you did this wrong, and this wrong, and this wrong, and this wrong, and this wrong. And I mean, I just sort of was like a fire hose, giving him all this info. I found out about it the worst possible way. He went to our client and said, um, I don't know what you did there, but the crew, the guy, the thing with the camera, what the heck? And I had to sort of grovel and beg and um, it was awful. And yet it was awesome because what a great lesson, right? If I had walked up to that guy and said, hi, my name's Brian and I'm a presentation expert. This is my life's work and I've spent two and a half decades working on this stuff. I've got a tremendous number of best practices that can help anybody. And while you were doing your presentation, I took some notes. If you're interested, I would be very willing to share those notes with you and walk you through it. You may learn and grow from it. If you're not interested, I fully understand. I needed to put it in his court versus just push it on him. And I think that's the key. You may have this deep, authentic desire to get your message, your stuff, your story out, but careful, you gotta make sure it's done in the right way. Some people just won't want to hear it you have to invite them in i i love that it's it's asking for permission because yeah. otherwise it does it it feels aggressive for one and it's it's about setting the tone so um, more than a million years ago as an english teacher that was you know we're getting we're getting really long time ago don i mean you're not i can see you you do not look two million years old to me i'm just saying <laughs> Oh, good to know. And um, yeah, I'm five foot one 
And, you know, I came out of college fresh, you know, went right into teaching seventh and eighth graders and some of them were taller than I was. So I had to have a big personality. And one of the things I, could, I have said is I have no problem speaking in front of people because if the seventh and eighth graders don't like you, I mean, they'll eat you alive. And so you have to learn to survive in front of seventh and eighth graders. And if you can survive in front of seventh and eighth graders, you know, everything else is, is easy. How great is that? How bad did that smell, by the way? Uh, what the classroom or just the or two million years ago <laughs> 30 i'm assuming the class size of course seventh and eighth graders that is a stinky age man they're ripe Oof. oh it was yeah it was just it i only lasted two years doing that um and i'm trying to think now where where i was headed where i was going with that but it's that idea of so i was talking about asking for permission oh setting the tone boy yeah um, it's setting the tone and at that very first, uh, you know, I'm thinking of an email, right? That the very first sentence of the email sets the tone. Actually, the subject line does even, I mean, for an email, you go up one further for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And I try to have them be very informative so that somebody, somebody knows exactly what it's going to be about, but then that first line sets the tone. And so unless you want to be aggressive and contrary, then set it set it with a more positive or a, you know, whatever that might be, but set that tone first. And it's going to make whatever you're trying to communicate that much easier. Or certainly clearer. Uh, I mean, you could be giving really bad news and that's never easy to communicate. That stuff's tough, but at least it can be done in a clearer, more articulate manner. Um, I, I'll give you one thing along that line. And this is sometimes hard for people, but there really are two main ways that you can communicate. There's lots of them, but there are two main, and they are you can either be asset-based or you could be deficit-based, and a little bit more colloquially, negative or positive. And you can give all kinds of information, and some of it could be horrific, but it can be done in a very positive way. Um, you know, what we're primarily in sort of the meeting space, so most of the presentations that we work on somehow, some way, end up on a big stage. And then I've got this AV business that's all about transforming an empty space into a large meeting environment. Well, right now, you want to talk about an industry that just got pummeled. We got crushed. We, have, we went from a lot of millions of dollars worth of business to zero in 11 days. So it was real. But I went right to my guys and I said in a very positive way, something along the lines of, everybody, I love you and I care about you and I care about your families. And I can tell you, because I've been around the block a little bit and I'm getting old and I've seen this movie before, this one's gonna hurt and it's gonna hurt for a while. And typically the first down is the last to recover and I don't see us getting out of this anytime soon. And so I don't know what's gonna happen, but I would tell you, start thinking about getting your resumes updated and getting ready to rock and roll because I see the writing on the wall. That's an unusual thing for someone to go to their people and then go even further and say, if I can help you find a job, if I can help you with your interview skills, if I can give you a recommendation, I will do it. Mm -hmm. That's bad news. Really bad news. Your financial future is in, at best, a chaotic situation. Your family is going to be impacted. Your day-to-day -day life is going to be bad. But I did it in a really positive, affirming, loving way. That's asset-based. I could have said, we're screwed. This is awful. Oh my God, you guys, you're killing me with this payroll. We're done. That's deficit-based. 
And so it is a choice. And yes, there are more ways in some hybrid manners. But for sure, you can have a choice the way you shoot that email out, what that line is at the very top. You get to choose what kind of tone you're going to set. And I'd also say it's, it's about taking the time to think about it and it's what you've, you've been talking about. What do you want them to get from that email? How do you want them to feel? What do you want them to be able to do as a result? And it really is. It just, it goes down to as much as an email or a text. And, you know, we're in this probably even more so now because everybody's home, right? And yeah. even if they're working from home. And so everybody's now 24 seven available or feel like they should be or could feel that way. And so let me just, you know, text off a quick answer or type it out and just boom, 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 without really taking the time to think, how am I coming across or what did they need to hear? How might they take this? Exactly. And, and I mean, that's, I think, always been an issue. And as the technology has gone faster and faster and faster, it's even more of an issue of people not slowing down to really take the time to think how they're coming across. Well, the problem has been exasperated by a factor of a bazillion. And then, you know, things like Zoom is a great example where everyone, you know, you hear about buy Zoom stock, it's going crazy. I, I don't know about you, but I am so ready to have human connection again. Like Zoom to me, I can do it. I can, I know how to handle the, 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 the technology and the best practices around it, but you lose so much all the nonverbal cues that are just completely destroyed by the technology. I mean, it is real. And so intent is sometimes lost. Certainly with email, intent has always been questionable. It's hard to sometimes tell what people are really intending because it's just one medium. But that notion of taking time to really consider how your message will be received, that's a big deal. Think about Facebook, right? I don't think anyone ever thinks. They just, they just <laughs> put stuff up and create war. You know, it's crazy. But how, how people receive the message is a big deal. Yes. One of the, uh, the tools we use is called Palm, Purpose Outcome Method. And it's, it's in line with your, you know, no feel do. And it's, so what's the purpose? What's the desired outcome? And you think about that first before you think about then what are the methods that we use to create that desired outcome? Ironically, that's how we do presentations. We always start with the end in mind. Same thing, same methodology. Exactly, exactly. And, and then discuss all that. And I'm sure you do that with your clients, right? So what are you hoping to get out of this? And then, you know, yep. if you're, if you've got several people, a committee or a task force and work group, and if you have that conversation, then they can start, well, this is what I want to go. Well, that's not quite what I want. And because if you didn't have that conversation, then the desired outcome might only be one person's out desired outcome, but not everybody's. And then the methods that you use and um, the example we use is say you husband and wife are on vacation and the husband says, let's go for a walk. Wife says, great. And so, but the husband just wants to take a nice leisurely walk, you know, hold her hand, enjoy the scenery, go to the lighthouse. And she says, well, but this is an opportunity for me to get some exercise. Two very different outcomes. The purpose is go for a walk but the, the desired outcomes are very different. And if you know that going in, then the method can be, well, how about honey, you, you speed walk to the lighthouse, turn around, meet me wherever I am, and then we can leisurely walk hand in hand and go to the lighthouse. And when you start to do that, and we've, we use that in all of our meetings, in 
well, hopefully all of them. Sometimes our email, you know, if we're thinking and we're taking that time, our emails, our trainings, our, you know, strategy sessions with our clients. And we, we give that tool to them as well. What, what do we want to get out of this? And here are the methods we're going to use. I love everything about that. What's, it's so ironic because it's literally happened yesterday. Uh, I came home from my very much solo, all by myself office. And this time of year in Phoenix, it is beautiful. We're just, just now starting to get warm. Um, and I came home and my wife said something like, do you want to go for a quick walk? And we live right on Camelback Mountain. So it's really beautiful right here, but it's hilly. And I said, yeah, sounds great. And I looked at her and I said, flips or tennies? And I meant flip flops or a more athletic tennis running shoe kind of a thing. And she said, oh, flip flops. And so I knew what she meant, which was, we're just going to have a nice, casual, easy stroll. Because just not a day earlier than that, we had, I think it was a 4.1 mile walk. It's this area that's kind of right around from our house. And it's a beast. It's kind of called the hills is what everyone calls it. And that's one of those, like, you're going to get sweaty and you better bring enough water for it because it's real. And just the exchange of what kind of shoe told me exactly. We got aligned in our thinking. And that's our little code, but it's the same exact methodology that you use with your clients. It's brilliant. Exactly. All right. So, because I don't want to, you've, you've mentioned, you know, how your company and companies are dealing with coronavirus. Is there anything else you want to add to that as far as, um, you know, how you've had to pivot, how um, your communication has, has changed or amped, uh, anything that you'd like to share with us? Sure. Um, I would say that, and I have no reason to believe that this is the best or even a proper methodology, Don. I'll just be very quick to tell you what we've been doing. Uh, one, we've been very quick to say, I don't know. And that's a really difficult thing to say. And as a senior leader, I never want to say, I don't know. I always want to have, well, here's what I believe. Here's what I think we should do. To, to live in that nebulous space of, I don't know, is not a comfortable spot. But as we look at things going forward, I mean, even with some clients where, you know, we've had to put some people uh, on a furlough, some we've had to fully let go. And so they've asked things like, um, we've got this thing in November. Do you think you can help? I don't know. Because I don't know if I'm going to have the staff that I once had. I don't know. And so that's a really tough conversation. Um, I've had a couple of, uh, one of the, the main guys that I furloughed, I said to him from the very minute, I can't wait to get you back. And he shot me a thing earlier this week. Did you get the PPP money? I said, I don't know. We haven't heard. And so it's the kind of thing where I've just been really trying to be very quick to be open and honest about how things are and what we're feeling. Um, we opened up the books. We basically said we can look to about October 1st and say we're good. And that's true. And so it's one of those kind of things where, I mean, just giving people some insight and some clarity, that transparency I think that's been a big deal during all this. The, the last thing I would tell you, and I, I wish I was actually at my office right now, I'm call, we're talking from my house. I would take my computer and I would show you at our front entrance at our, our kind of like the big lobby with our name and furniture and stuff. We've got one of those little boards, the little magnetic boards. And so if you were coming in, it would say, welcome Don Schuler, be cool. Well, I did this maybe, I don't know, 10 days ago. And it says, only positive thoughts allowed. And so we've seen plenty of UPS drivers and mail guys, and I did have one employee come in once, but essentially it's been me. And I did it for myself 
because it's a choice. And in many ways, I have to be the positive guy. I've got to be the beacon of light and hope in this storm of ugly. And it really is one of those little simple reminders to say, be positive. There's just nothing good that comes from being negative Nelly all the time. And so I'm trying to both convince myself and those around me to have the right kind of mental attitude. So that's, in summary, transparency, be real comfortable with the unknown, and be positive. <laughs> I love that. Be really comfortable with the unknown. Like that, that goes against our, you know, our instinctual centers. Like, no, Absolutely. no, no, they don't like that. Uh, I would, well, may I give you a recommendation for something to put on the whiteboard? Sure. I want to write this down. I'm listening. Welcome, Brian. It's really good to see you, and I hope you have a great day. Oh, I like this. Welcome myself, you mean? Yeah. I can do that. I, I mean, I've sent myself flowers saying, I love you, Dawn, you know, love the universe, right? You know, because it felt weird to say love Dawn, you know, like as in my sign off. But right. it's just, you know, it's, it's like, oh, isn't nice even if you know you wrote it well yeah i mean i to get way too deep at the uh, probably end of our time here of all the things that i know that i really need to work on being really comfortable with the idea of loving myself is certainly high on that list it's hard you know i've done lots of cool things i've had an amazing amazing life i have an incredible wife we've just done so many amazing things and you know, but one of those things that's not always been easy for me is to say, I'm okay. It's hard. I think, I, and I'm not alone on that, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right that a lot of people struggle with that. And, um, you know, it's that, but if, if you have to kind of rationalize around it, it's that whole love the quirky in you. Because, I mean, that's, I, I, I'm quirky and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an odd duck in some ways. And I actually like that. Like, I, you know, I, I, never, I did not want to see Jurassic Park because everybody liked it. And I was like, I'm not going to go see it because everybody likes it. And I don't want to be like everybody else. And then my, my first husband, my husband at the Times, you know, they had just opened a brand new second run theater. So it was this great theater that shows, you know, second run movies for like a dollar. So cool. He's like, let's go see it. I'm like, fine. We've seen everything else. And then I loved it. And I'm like, oh, I hate that I loved it because I was like everybody else. But, you know that quirky thing and you like that about yourself. So maybe it's really oh, I said really fly your freak flag. It's okay. Yeah. Exactly. Which the sidebar. Um, I hate the movie Titanic. Um, just saying, I think Pearl Harbor, that movie is worse when you've got these incredible stories from history. Why ruin them with this fictional garbage? Just saying. Oh, I know Pearl Harbor was, was really bad. It was, very bad um, yeah so we could talk about movies too but it's like all right because different podcast i know exactly all right so brian any last words from you what um if people need to know more about you and want to know more about square planet where can they go what can you offer them uh two things i would say for sure take a look at squareplanet.com again think round earth lots of freebies all kinds of cool downloadable stuff even best practices to begin a presentation if you so need, all there for the taking, lots of videos. You can certainly look me up uh, using Google to see all kinds of things. Um, the one that I would love to encourage people is by all means go to Amazon and check out my book. It's called Stand for Something. 
the power of building a brand people authentically love. I was very excited because I was an Amazon bestseller in a bunch of categories and kind of had a, a really great run for the first few months. And of course, things have tapered off a little bit like most good things. But um, my book is fun and easy to read and a bunch of cool little case studies. Yes, it's a business book, but it very much is a personal read. Everyone that knows me is like, oh my God, I hear you every time I read it. Yeah, because it's written in my voice. Um, but those two spots are probably the best places to go. The last thing I would tell you, Don, is that this work matters. Uh, yes, it's the work I do. And so it sounds like I'm trying to sell or toot our own horn. But the truth of the matter is we have seen over and over and over and over again that in positions of leadership, uh, people really need those leaders to communicate effectively. And when that doesn't happen, if there's a void or a vacuum, uh, boy, oh boy, the, the troops aren't happy. And so whether you want to be a leader, work on those communication skills, or if you are a leader, hone those communication skills. This stuff matters. I love that. I love that. Brian, thank you so much for being here with me today. I have thoroughly enjoyed this time with you and you've just been a delight. So thank well, you. Thank you, Don. This has been fun for me. And, you know, hopefully more than anything that you and yours, everybody stay safe and healthy and out of harm's way. So thanks for having me, but best of luck to everybody listening. Absolutely. And again, check out Brian at squareplanet.com. Check out his book, Stand for Something. Uh, I certainly will be. And until next time, may you thrive.